Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Martha's gift is hospitality. She probably cleaned the house three times before they got there. She probably put out the Mikasa dinnerware. Y'all ain't think I knew that, did you? I ain't ghetto. (laughs) She put out the Mikasa dinnerware and the nice plates and the nice flatware and the napkins. Table is set. Martha, at this time, It's very different in Luke chapter 10. This time Martha is whistling while she's working. And I believe right here she's transformed because now she's worshiping with the gift that God has given her. Martha's transformed because it doesn't matter that no one else is doing the work. Martha's expression of worship is service. And that's why I believe verse 2 pointedly tells us, and Martha served. Now with joy. Mary has her gift. It's worship and crying. Amen. Martha has her gift, is serving and worship. Mary is sitting and worshiping. Both worship is acceptable to the Lord. Look at verse 3. Mary took a pound of costly spikenard. Are y'all looking at verse 3? Say amen. Mary took a pound of costly spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house smelled like the ointment. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about spikenard. Spikenard came from the ointment nard, N-A-R-D, nard, which was the pure form. Nard grew in the Himalayas between China and Tibet. It had to be brought to Israel on the back of camels because of the Himalaya mountains, and then they made the ointment. The color of nard was red, and it was a sweet, pungent smell. Some say it was like gladiolus, but stronger. Nard was extremely expensive. It was often put in these alabaster cruises or long bottled necks. Y'all ever seen those long bottled necks and then sealed? And the only way to get it out was to break the neck of the seal. You would only break the seal for a very special occasion, like on a wedding day or if somebody died, a loved one died. And Lazarus is probably thinking, you didn't break it for me. Oh, it's like that, huh? You didn't break it for me. Spikenard was a very expensive possession. It's like one of those things, and maybe y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like one of those things you have and you never use it. And if you use it, it's costing you a fortune. You know what I'm talking about? So Mary has this very expensive oil. And notice the Bible says in verse 3, then. Then. It almost implies at that moment. It almost gives you the sense that Mary had been, work with me, that Mary had been, contemplating when is the right time to break this cruise and anoint Jesus. Then, it implies at that moment, maybe Mary's heart was beating hard and fast. Then, 
also implies love welling up until it bursts because she loved Jesus so much she's willing to give him her all. Then she popped the cap on that cruise or that box of costly ointment. She grabs that nard and pours it over his head. The other gospels tell us it ran down over his clothes and over down his beard and down to his feet and then wipes and then she wipes his feet with her hair and she's thinking it's too good for her and not good enough for him. And I bet you at this point, are y'all still with me? I bet you at this point, some eyebrows were raised. Why? Because it wasn't proper for a Jewish woman to let down her hair in public. She would only let down her hair in front of her husband. But I honestly believe that Mary is listening to her heart now. She doesn't care about tradition. Mary had the kind of love for Jesus that didn't hold back anything. Two things I want to point out about Mary, and I want you to write these down, about Mary's love for Jesus that just kind of hit me. Number one, Mary's love was extravagant. It was extravagant. She spent the most precious possession on Jesus. Love gives everything it has and then regrets it doesn't have more to give. I love that. Love gives everything it has and regrets that it doesn't have more to give. David said, I will not give the Lord that which costs me nothing. Number two, not only was her love extravagant, her love for Jesus was not ashamed. First Corinthians 13, love isn't self-seeking. Mary wasn't embarrassed. She didn't care what others thought. To Mary, there was no one else in the room. Jesus is there. She's worshiping him. It doesn't matter who said what. Number, look at verse three, the fragrance of her worship. Are you looking at verse three? The fragrance of her worship filled the entire house. Now, remember I told you they're having a nice meal, yes? So you could probably smell the food, yes? Maybe they're having broiled lamb, pita bread, hummus. Maybe you could smell it. But now the house is filled with the aroma of spikenard. Keep in mind, she wiped his feet with her hair. So Mary smelled like the spikenard, and Mary smelled like Jesus. Christian, you should smell like Jesus. Are you listening? You should smell like Jesus. What are you talking about, Willis? Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 16. Now, thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge is on the screen in every place. For we are to God, what saints? Somebody read it with me. The fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing into the one we are, what? The aroma of death. Are y'all looking at the same screen I'm looking at? We are what? The aroma of death leading to death and to another, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? So my question, what is your aroma? I'm not talking about your body odor. That's another sermon. (laughs) I'm not talking about your body odor. I'm talking about what is your aroma? Christians, we should be the aroma of Christ. When you get to work, do people say, oh, man, here comes that guy, and man, he's finna come and stink up the place. Yeah, he's a Christian, but he's coming, he's gonna stink up the place with his attitude at work. But he's a Christian. 
He's so he says. What do people say about you? Think about it. What do people say about you? At work, at school? What do people say about you? When you come in, do they say, oh man, here comes that guy, he's going to stick in the place, or do they say, oh man, here comes that guy, man, that Jesus guy. And that guy, Jesus, he's always happy, always positive. He's always talking about Jesus and always looking at the bright side of things. Are they saying it? Because if they're saying that, that's a good thing. Because that means you are emanating the aroma of Christ. Somebody need to say amen. You are emanating the aroma of Christ. Or people, or you take people, they got a problem, they come in and they look sad. And, hey, what's going on? What's the matter? Why you look like that? Well, you know, this, that, and third happened. Oh, okay. Well, let me, can I pray for you? Let me tell you something. I have never met a person who refused prayer. Never. And I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. I've been serving the Lord in a ministry capacity for 25 years. I have never met a person that refused prayer, even if they don't know God, even if they don't love God, even if they're not a Christian at all. People don't refuse prayer. They figure, hey, it ain't gonna hurt. I don't care if he's praying to a monkey, it ain't gonna hurt. Am I right about it? So why not take advantage of it? You're talking to the living God who hears you. Well, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and the ears are open unto their prayer. Why not say, hey, let me pray for you. And they'll, and they'll say, yeah. They ain't going to say no because then they're going to feel like a real heathen that they really are. So they don't really want to acknowledge that. Nobody wants to. So they'll say, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right now, pray right now. Shouldn't we go to a church or to a confessional or something? No, 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 no. We can pray right now. We pray right now. Right where we are. Yeah. You take them aside and you pray for them. They go, oh, man, though, thanks a lot. The aroma of Christ. And that's what we should be as Christians emanating. The aroma of Christ. Mary's worship is not verbal. She's not singing out loud. Mary's worship is silent and is filling the whole house. She's not saying hallelujah. She's silently worshiping and wiping his feet with her hair. And just in my sanctified imagination, just give me a second here. In approximately six days, Jesus will be in Gethsemane. And I wonder, can he still smell that nard in Gethsemane? Can he still smell that nard? Possibly. I'm not saying it's in the Bible. I'm just saying, possibly, can he still smell that nard as he's hanging on the cross? Because it was really pungent, and it really lasted a really long time. So, Kenny, because this is the last week of his life. We're in that. Y'all got that? Did y'all get that? Okay. So, can he still smell that nard as he's hanging on the cross? Can they still smell that nard in the house maybe a week later? Well, verse 4 through 6, all this loving on Jesus is short-lived. Look at verse 4 through 6. All this loving on Jesus is short-lived because like a Danny Downer, Judas sends words like piercing arrows through the atmosphere. Verse 5. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, two things Judas' words show us. You got a pen? Number one, how really expensive the ointment was. And number two, how suicidal it is when our hearts don't match the worth of Jesus. 
You know the story. Judas will eventually die at his own hands, and he's paving the way right now. Judas could have questioned her about her breach of etiquette. He could have questioned her on the woman's place in the culture. Why is Mary sitting at the table with Jewish men? Why did she let her hair down with men present in the room? But notice he questioned her about the money because he was in the Greek language a kleptos. Kleptos? A kleptomaniac. Because he was a thief. What Judas was really saying was, why was this money wasted on Jesus? Can you imagine saying that? Why was this money wasted on Jesus? You got the unmitigated call to say something like that. Wasted on Jesus? Jesus created the money. Oh, wait, let's go one, be- let's go one back. He created you. Why was this money wasted on Jesus? That money could have been spent on poor me. He said spent on the poor. He meant poor me. So as Mary is preparing Jesus' body for burial, Judas would prepare his death. And keep in mind, John is around 90 years old at this time, and John didn't know that Jesus, that Judas was a thief and a traitor until years later. So John is looking back on this dinner. Look at verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Listen, John didn't know that when the situation happened, but many, many years later now that John is writing backward and remembering that dinner, he's saying, yeah, he said that because we come to find out he was a thief. Get the scene. Mary pours this oil over Jesus' head. The atmosphere is literally sweet with the aroma of nard. Mary is worshiping Jesus at his feet, no doubt weeping. Judas said, what in the world? You just dumped out a year's salary on the floor. Do you know how much ministry we could have done with that money? Do you know we could have put that money to the Nehemiah project? Do you know how many Bibles? (laughs) (laughs) I like how I cut that in there. Do you know how many Bibles we could have bought with that money? How many Thanksgiving boxes we could have bought with that money? Judas said that was a waste. And the other gospels tell us that the disciples chimed in. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was a waste. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Now, in John's gospel, Jesus, you know, I've told you this. Jesus calls Judas the son of perdition. And remember, does anybody remember what I told you the word perdition meant? Yell it out. Very good. With y'all, husband and wife team or something, y'all said that at the same time. Waste. Perdition, write it down if you don't know it. Perdition means waste. So Judas says, watch this, that was a waste. And Jesus said, no, you're a waste. Isn't that interesting? And people who don't know God and they don't love God or understand the things of God think serving God and worshiping God is a waste, don't they? When worship, and maybe I can get a witness here, worship is never a waste. Am I right about it? Worship is never a waste. Never, 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 never a waste. Let me show you the contrast between Judas and Mary. I got to try to come in for a landing here. Let me show you the contrast between Judas and Mary. Mary was an instrument of grace. Judas was an instrument of sin. Mary had the light of love. Judas, the darkness of treachery. Mary openly worshipped, Judas secretly betrayed. 
Mary had a love that reached beyond the cross and anointed Jesus for burial. Judas had a hatred that brought Jesus to the cross, ending in his own suicide. Verse 7, Jesus said, let her alone because she knows something. Listen real close. Mary was perceptive enough to listen to Jesus when he said he was going to be handed over to the rulers, that he was going to be beaten and whipped and crucified and rise again. And the disciples didn't get it. But Mary was perceptive. You see, Mary, if you're writing down anything, write this down. Mary was already on resurrection ground. She was already on resurrection ground. Mary knows that Jesus is going to be crucified and rise again. And so she's anointing him now because she won't be at Calvary. Not this Mary. And she won't be at Golgotha and she won't be at the tomb in the morning with the other ladies. So she's pouring her sacrifice now. Mary is already on resurrection ground. Jesus said, she's done this for the day of my burial. Now, several things that we can learn about worship from Mary. And I want you to write these down quick, okay? Because I'm going to move pretty quick. Several things you can learn about worship from Mary. Number one, worship comes through breaking. Can you write fast? Worship comes through breaking. She broke the alabaster cruise and the oil fell upon Jesus. You really become a worshiper when you're broken, don't you? When trial, tribulation, sickness, death, and disease, when bills are due and you don't know what to do, can I encourage you? Worship. Worship comes through breaking. Number two, true worship costs something. It costs Mary a year's salary and it will cost you and me our lives. Number three, worship is often misunderstood. There will always be those who say you're wasting your time going to church on Sunday and you go Wednesday too? What a waste, people might say. Worship is never a waste. Worship is often misunderstood. Number four, worship is defended by Jesus. Jesus immediately came to the defense of Mary and rebuked the others. Number five, worship is for him alone. Whatever you set aside for him, let it be for him. When you set your offering aside for the Lord, let it be for the Lord. It's not yours. Number six, worship permeates. Pouring that oil and worshiping as Mary did not only brought joy to Jesus, but it also made the house smell nice. Number seven, worship is a good work. Jesus said, hey, why are you giving her a hard time? She's doing good work. Number eight, worship is contagious to others. Matthew 26, 13, I have it for you on the screen. Assuredly, I say to you, whenever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this story will be told and people will be blessed and encouraged to learn and to love and to serve Jesus. Look at verse 8. Jesus said, for the poor you have always with you. In other words, Jesus is saying, take advantage of this opportunity because it only comes around once. Jesus saying, Mary realized that this opportunity Bless me and to pour this oil on me and to give her best to me is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You only get to minister to me once, Jesus is saying. The poor you always have with you, right? But me, you do not always have. In the verses 9 through 11, let's wrap it up right here. Many Jews came knowing Jesus was there, but they really came to see Lazarus who had been raised from the dead 
which I understand that. You don't see that every day. Amen. And, and remember I told you last week, the chief priests are the Sadducees. And the Sadducees only believed in the first five books of Moses. They didn't believe in anything spiritual. Remember I told you last week? Were you here? Who was here last week? Uh, raise your hand nice and high. I can't see you. Okay, so that's a good number of you. Then you do remember I told you that the Sadducees didn't believe in anything spiritual. They didn't believe in angels in heaven and no life after death. Uh, they didn't believe in anything spiritual. So Lazarus, listen, being alive is bad theology for the Sadducees. Did y'all catch that? It's bad theology for the Sadducees because they thought there's no resurrection. So everybody's coming to look at him. And when they saw him alive in a living color and decided to kill him again, Lazarus is thinking, I've only been alive for a day and now they want me dead again. Interesting. Lazarus doesn't say one word in scripture, but Lazarus knows things that others only hope to know. Lazarus knows the power of God. Lazarus was in glory for four days. Lazarus knew where Jesus came from. Lazarus didn't speak a word in scripture. Watch this. I'm coming in. Listen. Lazarus didn't speak a word in scripture, but he speaks volumes to so many because verse 11 says, and many believed in Jesus because of Lazarus. And he didn't say a word. Interesting. Now I leave you with this and I leave you with this to take home and think about. Jesus, note this, came to the earth to break the alabaster jar of humanity. That would be himself. And Mary had come that night to dinner to break the alabaster jar for him. Jesus never regretted breaking his jar. Didn't Hebrews tell us for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and didn't enjoy it, but he endured it and despised the shame. He never regretted breaking that alabaster box of his body for us, he never regretted it. And Mary never regretted breaking that jar. And listen, and you will never regret whatever you give to Jesus. First of all, give him your best. Somebody clap your hands and say, that's right, Pastor. <laughs> give him your best. You know, I'm amazed. I didn't say this first or second. And I'll tell you guys third. And I'm amazed at how many people clean out their garage at home and bring it to the church. And they say, oh, you know what? This junk we had in the garage for the last 10 years, the church might be able to use it. That ain't giving Jesus your best. That's giving him the junk you don't want. Because you don't want to make a trip to the land field. Don't give Jesus the stuff you don't want. You had it in your garage for 10 years. It's got cobwebs on it and rusty and dirty and dusty. And, ooh, I think the church might want this. No, we don't. <laughs> if you don't want it, we don't want it. Write that down. <laughs> if I don't want it, they don't want it. Write it down. Want it. Want it. Give him your best. Give him your all. And not only just stuff, but how about starting with your heart? Give him all of your heart, not half of your heart, not an eighth of your heart, not three-fourths of your heart. Give him all your heart. Give him all your worship. That's why I encourage you, get the church on time so you can get in here and worship God because it's the beginning of God touching your heart, and worship is a hammer to the heart. 
to break up that hard heart that you built up out there in the world and everybody does it because you're in the world, not of it, but you're in it. And, and worship just, you ever notice what I'm talking about? You come in here, you're all heavy and all down. You look all, you know, like a spiritual Eeyore. You know, you come in, you know, and all of a sudden you just kind of like, worship just lifts your spirit. Am I right about it? Where am I saying that? Worship just lifts your spirit. And then when the word of God goes forward, you receive it because your heart's been broken and, and, and plowed. And then the seed of the word of God gets planted. The Holy Spirit waters it and brings forth fruit in its season. And that's why you got to, I'll wait. And that's why you got to get to church early and get here on time so you can worship, so you can give God your best, so you can be your best for God. Amen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.